Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for listening to us and being around with us. Kevin's not here today. Uh, his throat is injured or sick. He He's tired. You know, there's a lot of things gotcha. going on with Kevin right now. Hey, I want to give this. I've given this to the Twitch chat as somebody's kind of arguing a little bit on how Major League Baseball careers are much longer than NFL careers. And I just wanted to give this to you. These are the facts. In a way, yes, because there's minor leagues. In 1996, and things haven't changed much, I made $2,500 playing minor league baseball, like before taxes. The next year, in low A ball, I made $5,500 for the whole season, for the whole year, playing minor league baseball. In high A ball, the next year, I made $6,000 for the whole year. In 12 months, I made $6,000 playing high A ball. The next year, double A, like playing for the Frisco Rough Riders, I made $7,500 playing for the Frisco. I wasn't with the Frisco Rough Riders, but just to give you an example. If when I made it up to AAA, AAA, I made $10,000 one level away from the major leagues for the whole year, not for a month, I made $10,000. You actually make more money playing minor league football than you do minor league baseball. If I go play in the XFL or the CFL, a College, high level yeah. – of my, or college, yeah, <laughs> or college. Or if I play a high level of minor league football, I make way more money than playing a high level of minor league baseball. I, You know what? As I was listening to Sean and RJ this morning, because I Tolo, I, I heard Bobby talking about, and I know we've talked about this, about a player, and I can't remember the school or, or the player, that was they, the, the, the team said, how you're thinking about going to the draft. How much, where do you think you're going to go? And they, he said, I think I'm going to go this pick. And they said, we will find NIL money for you that will be the same as the slotted amount. Okay? Like, the, 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 whatever you're going to make in your first year in the NFL, we'll pay you that right now to stick around in college for one more year. Mike, I know that's not really considered in this conversation, but do you think the NFL is looking at that going, ooh, that's not going to be good for us at some point? Because guys are coming into the league with money. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, how that's going to affect that, too, in that now, you know, or will it make, when, when we were talking about negotiations, when those guys come into the league, maybe you're not going to, their, their careers are going to be even shorter. And maybe their careers are going to be shorter because they stuck around college a little bit longer, and now their careers right. are shorter. I wonder if those guys will be more prepared as they're coming out of college to say, we will hold on while you NFL make us a better offer because we actually made some money in college doing this thing. So we're, we're, we're a little better off than ever than maybe, uh, you know, the third option on the special teams than that guy. And there's now more of us. I wonder if the NFL is considering that. I think that's why Hayden Hurst, who's in the conference championship, he played minor league baseball for a couple of years as a pitcher. And then he went to South Carolina to be a tight end because Minor league baseball will tell you how much you love baseball. Now, maybe you get lucky enough to be Ken Griffey Jr. or Doc Gooden, and you only play one year of minor league baseball, and at 19 years old, you're in the major leagues. But for 99% of the people who try to make it to the major leagues, you are losing money playing baseball to try to accomplish your dream of playing major league baseball. And yes, once you make major league baseball, I believe the league minimum this year is $700,000 and change. I can't remember. It's like 720,000, 750,000, but it's a little over $700,000 to make the major leagues. So I think when it comes to this, 
like people think, oh, baseball is strong because they have so much more money. We don't. I don't have any more money than Patrick Creighton or Jesse Hawley or the guys that I know, Tony Casillas. You know, like, hey, these guys decided to screw over the future so they could get theirs now. And the players are doing the exact same thing. So if Jesse Hawley or whoever it is, Tony Dorsett is upset about their head injuries or their injuries or their health insurance or whatever, they only have themselves to blame because they never sacrifice for the future. So the future doesn't sacrifice for the past. And that's the horrible cycle they're in. And they can't even see it themselves. Yeah. So to try to say, well, Major League Baseball players do it because of this. We usually, most of us, 99% that play professional baseball, probably 95% of us actually lose money playing professional baseball because only like 5% of us make Major League Baseball. And then out of that 5%, most of us are league minimum players most of our career. Because if you go look at the 2010 Texas Rangers who made the World Series, and then you go look at the 2015 Texas Rangers who made the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of players that were on that 2011 a great team made the world series a lot of them aren't even in baseball in 2015 they're out because careers are short yeah the and i just saw somebody text this in from the 214 and i i want to this is i just want to kind of give a little insight on how i think about this from the 214 don't cry about money when you can go find a job and i will say mike you were pursuing a dream that you had since childhood wasn't about money when i i had a job I had a job that paid six figures. It was the most boring job to me. I was an IT uh, an IT specialist. I was I had my own network that I built out in uh, in Rockwall that I was running uh, for a, a company that built mass printers. I got to do everything for it. I ran the whole thing. Everything was mine. I was sitting in a room by myself, looking at a server, watching blinking lights, listening to Randy Galloway. And when I heard Randy Galloway, I was like, that dude sounds like he's having fun. What I was doing for me was not fun. And I, even whenever we were at home doing our jobs, I needed to be out and talking to people. I just needed that. That's part of what I wanted. And I went back to school. I went back to college with the idea of I wanted to be the next Dale Hansen. All right. I wanted to do TV, radio, right? I want to do all those things. I wanted to be Randy Galloway. Be at Thorn Tree Country Club gambling. Yeah. 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 Have everybody come out to my house <laughs> once a year and party their butts off and get hammered. I, I wanted like it was it sounded fun to be involved in sports, be around it because I've been in sports my yeah. whole life. I loved it. So I, I had to sacrifice a lot to do to try to do that. I got very fortunate that I was able to get in at the fan at the right time. Nobody wanted to be here. I'll be very honest. Sean and RJ and, and me and Kevin got here at the same time. Not a lot of people wanted to be at this station. There was a lot of people that were cracking jokes on this place. We were a weekend show. But that was a lot of sacrifice, and the whole time, there were times I wanted to quit. My father-in-law would say, man, do you really want to quit on your dream, though? And that was where I was like, man, I'm not done with that part of it yet. And that's my advice, and I got this advice from Brad Sham. I mean, he didn't, he didn't create this, but he told my class, if you, if you do something you enjoy, you won't work. It'll just be part of your daily life. Yeah. Do I want to make more money? Hell yes, I want to make more money at doing this. Everybody wants more money. And we have to, our, our employers are going to try and squeeze everything they can out of us for our careers while they can too. That's going to happen. But if you want to be excited about your job, you want to do something that you're dreaming for. And that's what the NFL players are doing. They're not bitching about money. They're saying, we want to continue to do this. This is our dream. That's why they're pursuing it. 
because they want to do something that's fun to them. They're, now, you may you may be working a great job right now, and you're like, Corey, I love the advice you're giving me. I'm quitting this job right now. I'm gonna, and then you fail, and then you blame me. I don't, I'm not saying do that because you might find out you're not good at it. Yeah. You might find out you didn't want to do it. I happen to have gotten very fortunate that along this path, I've been able to dream and continue going after it. It's been a lot of fun. for It was the best decision I ever made. And I'll tell you that here's another thing about baseball. Teams don't like taking, like, Stanford kids that aren't considered first or second round picks. Why is that, Mike? Well, here's what they believe, is that they got such a great education at a school and that they're going to be wanted in the workforce that they're not going to want to fight and battle through the minor leagues not making any money because they're going to start looking and going, man, this education I got from Stanford, I can go right now back to San Francisco or I can go to wherever – and they're going to pay me $100,000 to start this because of my education and my background. And they're like, man, we give a kid $150,000 out of Stanford. We see them quit in high A ball more than we see them fight through the adversity, right? Because there's going to yeah. be adversity. Usually for the first time, you take the top 5% college players in the country and you throw them in the minor leagues. I bet the top 5% of college guys didn't really fail very much at North Carolina or Stanford or UT or A&M. You're taking the best players from those schools throwing them in the minor leagues now they start to struggle well nothing against i guess unt doesn't have a baseball program no, they don't. but they if softball southwest texas well the kid from southwest texas is probably going to fight through adversity a little bit more than maybe the stanford kid because the stanford kid has a backup of going and yeah. making six figures doing yeah, something for sure. else so when you do go there, I know I have a buddy, Craig Thompson, who's listening, who I played with growing up, who went to Stanford. He didn't end up making the major leagues. Really good uh, guy. But I played with two guys, Troy Kenton and J.D. Brammer, who you'd say, I never heard of them. That's right. They were Stanford guys. And uh, Troy quit. And he's just like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm too smart to do this. And I don't know if I'm even going to make the major league. So kind of in no, a weird that's... way, it's like a good info of like, Hey, if you're a fifth to 10th round pick and you're out of Stanford, a lot of times teams are like, we don't want those guys because we're going to give them $100,000 and they're going to quit two years into this. And, you know, Mike, the other thing, too, with those situations, man, life hits guys, right? I mean, just look at uh, uh, Drew um, Robertson. Drew, the guy who yeah, he, shot himself. Yeah, he shot himself. Right. Because he wasn't, he had life hit him. Uh, some guys have a baby, you know, that they get. Uh, some yeah. guys have a family member. They have to give up their dreams because life hits. I ha- As I was going through this, man, I had a kid. I had another one on the way. I was making less than my wife, you know, and I know you know that situation with, uh, with today Dr. I wife. Less than my wife. I yeah. still today at this point make a lot less than my wife, too. <laughs> um, and, and, it's, and it's one of those things where you're like, you're constantly battling. I really enjoy this. I really like what yeah. I'm doing. Am I doing the right thing? And, and then life gets in the way. I've had people that they're like, I just can't do what you did. Like, I know. I don't know how I was able to do it either. There were things, there were moments when I didn't have rent or I didn't have mortgage payment. And I had to figure things out. I can't say that they're always the answers are the right way, that my way is your way. Everybody's going to do something a little different. I, I talked to, since me and uh, Derek Allen went to Bishop Lynch High School yesterday to talk to the baseball team and we had a good time. And I didn't talk about this, but sometimes I do if I, I get to talk about sacrifice. Sacrifice is the most stupid thing on a piece of paper to do. 
It's stupid to do it in baseball. It's stupid to do it in life. When you look at it, sacrificing possibly your life or sacrificing this for somebody else, sacrificing how much money you're going to make today in the NFL versus sacrificing what somebody 10 years from now is going to make in the NFL. Who did I sacrifice for? I don't even know the person I'm sacrificing for. That's why I'm taking now. So sacrifice always looks really bad on a piece of paper or at the time you're like, it doesn't make sense to sacrifice. But sacrifice is one of the most beautiful things you can do for your team, for another person, for a family member, and for for yourself. possibly yeah. for yourself, for your job. To be like, I'm going to sacrifice this amount of money to do this because I think in the end, this sacrifice will pay off more than just taking the now. Yeah. No, man. I mean, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to share Lucy's story or my possibilities or, you know, Kevin and mine's friendship if we didn't take that risk and take that. And you know what, Mike, you talk about sacrifice. How much does Soda ask you to sacrifice? Whenever it comes to, oh, like, yeah. the physical, like, you you want to you want to get a trim body? You need to do these yeah. things. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. You have to That's, say, I love Cheetos, but I'm not going to eat Cheetos this week. I always see those commercials for those <laughs> pills, by the way. I know we're going everywhere at this segment. I actually <laughs> love it. I hope you love it listening to it. But those pills, whatever pill they're selling on television – doesn't like look man i got boobs as a man and i got a gut and look what i did i took this pill and now i got a six pack i'm like yeah you took that pill you changed your diet and you started working out that pill there's no magic bean you can do liposuction that's a surgery to get rid of all that fat but literally there's no pill that just takes fat away you don't work out you don't change your eating habits, and you turn into looking like Des Bryant. Well, cocaine, but yeah, I mean like that. But I'm not. None of us would ever suggest that ever at all. But you Mike, hashtag right, Lucy I think, Strong on here. Like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But I, I think you got a good point in that it's your mind that changes more than the pill does anything. You just say, "Well, now I'm I've spent the twenty four dollars to get these pills, and I'm taking them." So now I'm changing my mind, but it's really just trying to figure out. And that's what soda teaches you, right? How to change your mind about food. And Kevin talks about the approach all the time. He said, you know, there were times when I I had to make dinner a special thing. You know, I had to eat every meal. Lunchtime had to be a special lunch. And I just had to look at it differently. You got a really good point with sacrifice. And you've talked about that uh, multiple times on the show since you've been on with us about what it takes, not just with with the baseball organization and everything, but other places in life. And it's a, it really is a, a true, it's it's interesting to listen to and how to apply it. And I really appreciate all the people that are texting and saying thanks for sharing, uh, how how long they've been listening to KNC. We've had a great journey. Uh, we've really enjoyed every moment we have spent here on The Fan. We really genuinely have. Nobody knows what the future is going to hold. But hopefully for a long time, it's right here on The Fan, right? Yeah. Kevin Me, really missed out today. Kevin, huh? Mike, God, Joey. He, sick of, he said, I'm sick of you guys yesterday. Put his head, put his head on his like forehead. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sick of you guys. I'm not going, I'm not coming in tomorrow. That's what he told us near the end of the show. Yeah. And now look what he's missing. He hasn't even texted. I texted him twice already today. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not talking to you guys. He missed a really fun segment. What do you think he's doing with his lover right He's going, now? y'all need to get to break and All get right. on to the expressway. Watching 35 minutes of uninterrupted sports content. No more MILF Manor. But we will get into some AL West numbers and where the Rangers stand next in the fan. Man, I'm trying to reply back to somebody just said they owe me a beer because they accidentally called me Kevin. I will drink the said beer, so I really appreciate that you are doing that. And I always love the Tolo interaction 
uh, whenever we're on air, whenever we're on Twitter, you can find us on Twitter at in the majors at oh thank Kevin at uh, Mike Bassick, uh, and then you got Joey. You have a very different one. Have you changed it yet to Slim Scotty, or is it still? It's still Joey the Jet nineteen. All right, okay. <laughs> And then you can also check out Carter Freeman at uh, Carter the one hundred five three somewhere. Yeah. You just check college football out. stuff, yeah. you know. But we always love the interaction with the with the Tolos because man, we couldn't do this thing without the Tolos. We couldn't. And there's no. We'd be talking to nothing uh, if we uh, if we didn't have the Tolos around being part of it. That's why I'm so excited that we get to do Fan Bowl again this year. That we're back doing our, our events because Mike, for me personally, when we were on weekends. That was where we got our opportunity to meet the most of the fans that y'all got to talk to every day. It was whenever we were nights, we were like, man, we have a smaller audience, but we're part of the station too. And so we wanted to get out to these events and meet all her. Yeah, well, absolutely. I know you didn't. Actually, you knew because you'd come in here and hang out during No Shirt Nine. We were hired the same day. Yes. Well, kind of. We were already on. Yeah, but we got uh, but our con- it's full time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But yeah, and you'd come hang out with yeah. us all the time. I mean, I was I got to be on one of your shows during Rangers playoff baseball. That did happen. That did happen. And from the two one four, y'all never say anything about my text. Now we did. Look at us. What's his full phone number? Uh, two one four. No, I can't do that, Mike. All right, so I saw this on MLB.com after Mike sent it to me. It's the AL West preview for twenty twenty three. I am excited about this Rangers season. I know the the Cowboys finish here kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. I don't think you're going to get a championship from this Rangers team, but what? I think they I think Chris Young wants that championship badly. I think he has Ray Davis kind of in the same mindset of let's go chase this thing. I think you got a great manager. I think you got a guy that understands baseball. I think you have if he pitches a lot. I keep getting this. This is a really good rotation, yeah. a rotation we've never seen as a Rangers fans. I think this is a very fun division yes. to talk about because as the article starts off, and I'll, and we'll get into the individual teams, you have the defending World Series champs in this division. You have the best player of the last decade. You have the best two-way player ever. You have the top free agent pitcher signing in R. Jacob deGrom. You have the defending AL Rookie of the Year in Julio Rodriguez, who just led his team to the playoffs for the first time in 21 years, and their last one is, bullet point, the A's. Mm, so, yeah. four out of the five teams have really <laughs> intriguing stories, and how can they do, And how, except for the Oakland A's, which, honestly, the Rangers need to. They play them 12 times. You play each team 12 times now in your division. You don't play them like you used to, so you can't take advantage of Oakland as much. If the Rangers are going to make the playoffs, I would say this is high standards. You probably need to beat Oakland 10 out of 12 times. I know you. it said dot, dot, dot the A's, yeah. but aren't the A's always that team that you're like, how? Not anymore. Okay, all right, so they've they, lost they, that. They went into a lull. For the first time in two decades, they did not develop any players. They, they failed to develop that – you know, obviously, early on, it was Miguel Tejada, Zito, Mulder. Uh, why am I forgetting the other one? Uh, Hudson. Hudson, thank you. And, I mean, they they just kept year after year. They figured out whether it was Eric Chavez or recently it was Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and some other guys that they've moved on from. But for the first time ever in, like, a three- to four-year period, they didn't develop any, like, future all-star or really good in their first five-year players. 
So this is where they don't have any money. Nobody goes and sees them. Horrible place to play. No free agent wants to be there. And they didn't develop any players or pitchers to really help them. So they should lose, I'm going to guess, 100-plus games. Oh, man. All right. Well, good for them. Lose all the games. Right. Especially against the Rangers. Okay. The when when we look at the Rangers, they had two questions. Did you want to get to those now? Yeah, yeah we can do Rangers first. Okay. Obviously, I think people care the most about the Rangers who are listening. Probably second, they care about the Astros because probably 25% of the people listening are Astros fans. Yeah. I, I want to get to the second question first, if that's okay. okay. Do they need an outfield upgrade? Yes. Can they do that this year? Because I think there are some really... They again, they invested money in pitching this year. Okay. And they've the Rangers have always been known. I mean, my entire life, Mike, I've grown up a Rangers fan since I could hold a bat. Uh, they've always been known as they can hit. And Nolan Ryan came here once. Like, that's about it when it comes to pitching. Right. And they had a like I know I don't want to downgrade what Colby Lewis and that crew did because yeah, your they Derek were guy. Yeah, and my friend Derek Holland. I don't want to like degrade what they did and accomplished. Uh, but like we've never seen this type of one through five. So on the on the rest of the team, how is that going to affect if the pitching is good? Do they really need that upgrade in the outfield, or are they that poor? I will say yes in this scenario. Is back when the Cleveland Indians made the playoffs in two thousand and seven. After that, a few years later, they dumped again their team. So I was part of the dump in 2001. They had made the playoffs, and they said, all right, we're not going to compete anymore. We're going to move. Bartolo Colon eventually moved to the Montreal Expos. Roberto Alomar was traded to the Mets, and I was in that trade to the Mets. They started moving pieces along. They just said, look, we, we can't beat the Yankees. We can't beat Boston. We can't beat certain teams in the playoffs. We are going to start over. And one year, they had... CC Sabathia, who went on to, I don't think he won the Cy Young because he pitched half the season with Cleveland and half the season with Milwaukee. And in Milwaukee, he was the best National League pitcher. It was just for, he went like 9-0 and or 9-1 and after the trade deadline. Was unbelievable. The Cy Young winner that year in the American League was Cliff Lee for the Cleveland Indians. They literally had the two best pitchers in baseball. And Cleveland's like, we got to get rid of it because we're not good enough to compete because our positional value, our position players, and our bullpen aren't good enough that we have 40% of our games, we have the two best pitchers in baseball pitching, and we can't support them enough to win enough games. So, now I do believe the Rangers don't have CC and Cliff Lee on this staff. No. They have a good five-man rotation, and if DeGrom is healthy, obviously, arguably the best pitcher in the game still, if he's healthy, big if. But I do think in the outfield when you look at this, Center field is still an unknown. Leoti did not prove that he's an everyday player in the major leagues. He proved he has potential to be. Bubba Thompson came up and did some outstanding things, especially base running with stealing. I believe it was 27 bases off the top of my head. Like it was amazing how he would not even get good jumps, not even really know how to run the bases and still be one of the premium base runners uh, in the game last year in August and September. But we don't know if they can play center field every day. There's a battle in spring training to see. And I think Leody has the slight advantage going into spring training. 18. Both Thompson oh, wait, had 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. And then when I look at left field, there is no left field. There's no left fielder. They're, they're going to just throw out four guys in spring training and just go, we think this is going to be good to start. 
And if after a month it's not good, we'll move on to another guy. And is, if he's not good, we'll move on to another guy. Is there a world where Bubba and Leody can both play out there together? You, you could, uh-huh. but that just doesn't. You don't have power. No, if you, you in your outfield, if if that's your outfield, let's say Bubba Thompson, Leody Tavares, and uh, Odolis is your outfield. Pretty good defensive outfield. Great defensive, if not the best. Okay, that would be one of the positives. You are going to save runs with those three guys out there. Your issue is is probably your OPS as an outfield will be about 650, and your total home runs for the year would be. At most 50 and probably closer to 40 yeah. for the whole year. And that's year. not the production that you want from that. Like, did you just think last year, Aaron Judge, I know this is extreme. He hit 62 home runs. <laughs> the Rangers as an outfield, if that was kind of your major outfield for the year, would probably, in, in totaling all the guys that filled in, would probably have 50 home runs for the whole year. Okay. Like that's, right. that just doesn't cut it. So as, as good of a opening season for us that Adolis had, He's not necessarily a 40 home run every year guy. I think he's 25 to 35 home runs. Yeah. Somewhere in there being healthy, somewhere between 75 and 100 RBIs, and somewhere between like a 230 and 255 hitter. That's, but that's a good player. That's an everyday good player. And he's still on, I'd say, his rookie deal. He's arbitration eligible and all those things here coming up, but. You have control of Adolis for three more years. You don't have to worry about him going anywhere or paying him a lot of money. It's that center field and left field right now that you just don't know. I do think the Rangers hope for this. First, they hope that either Leody or Bubba take off and they do great. But I think second of all, they hope that Evan Carter has an outstanding year in the minor leagues this year and he looks to be an outfielder in your 2023 team. And he can play center field or left field. Uh, and he has all the tools. I know he's having a bad career the last few years, but he has been compared to like the next Christian Yelich. Oh, really? Now, Yelich was MVP candidate yeah, for a few for sure. years. Broke his knee off a foul ball and has never been the same since. Did he get his contract before the broken knee or after? I can't remember. I can't remember either. It's, yeah. I just remember just it was Yelich like, has oh. gone to, it's interesting how Yelich and, and Belly had like a commercial together. They were fighting for MVPs and then they both turned into below average players. Leody at 23. Uh, you know, Mike, we, the first year I was like, oh, this defense, like it, it, it got me. Right. So I was like, watch him track a baseball. And you were like, but he can't hit. Right. And then mm, not better the, this year. The, last year he hit better, right. but you've pointed out once the Rangers kind of hit that, slide at the end of the year and we started concentrating on cowboys you yeah, know preseason people, people stop and forget about like hey what did happen did he did he just tumble and it was a you know what that's that's a young player having to get through 162 for this time uh he he needs the opportunity again next year i'm just trying actually only played 99 games Wow, that's a lot of games, though, for him in his young career still. Yeah, he he started How much struggling. more can he jump is, I guess, what I was asking is what where, where can I he go I think he next? has the potential to, to jump a lot, and he needs to, because if you look at OPS at 675, uh, you know, you just look at what he did. It's tough. You you have to have a lot of help in your outfield. It's You can have a Leody Tavares and, and, and just running down everything in center field, but you just have to have – kind of in your left and right field you have to have i don't know mookie bets and 
yeah. Mike Trout, you yeah. know, and I know that's too far. That's you don't have to have that. No, you need dudes but, that can put up power. But numbers. you're like, hey, we can. That's fine. He's not going to hit. He's going to bat ninth. Let's just bunt guys over. Try to get on base however you want. We got two studs next to you who are going to combine for 70 home runs and 200 RBIs. But you don't have that on your corner. So Leody has to improve as an offensive player this year. All right, let's go to the the first question too. And I don't want to take too much. Mike likes it. No, no, away no. Go here. ahead. This is I'm having a lot of fun here. How many innings can they reasonably expect from DeGrom? I think this is the big question for the entire pitching rotation. I would say 150. Okay. If he can give you more than that, it's just icing every yeah. every time after. I think if he goes below 150, you're like, son of a gun. Like, we're paying a whole bunch of money for 120 innings. $45 million for 120. Like, the Rangers expect. The Rangers gave that contract believing that he can start over 25 games and over 150 innings. So the Rangers believe he can be a guy who starts 30 games, pitches 180 innings, Mm -hmm. and wins you 15 games or more a year. I know wins aren't totally dictated on you. Right. But that's their their belief is, the Rangers' belief is, they gave that because they believe every year he's going to be right around 30 starts and right around 180 innings. Anything less than that, they did not predict what he would be. And and Derek's been pretty like adamant that look, our the training staff in Texas is pretty good. Uh he thinks right. that it's gonna help some of these guys and hopefully he doesn't have to see Meister yeah. because he's the surgeon. <laughs> yeah. But he is a guy that everybody goes to. Literally, if there's an injury in the United States of America and you're a professional athlete, I feel like Meister is one of the people you go see. For the Astros, which I did see somebody text in and said, forget the Astros. This is DFW. Go find a Houston station traders uh so we're not houston fans but there no, are if are you are not. if you live in the metroplex you will see a lot of houston astros gear this but i i think for more than anything mike it is a good opportunity to look at the west and say what are they yeah, dealing what's your competition? with competition can any of the young starters step up and be the next justin verlander for them no he's a he's a generational pitcher yes now if you're asking who can fill his shoes the most it will be Framber Valdez I believe at this point he is now the best left-handed starting pitcher in Major League Baseball can he continue that can he keep being that guy uh I think so but to say can a guy just jump in there and a young guy Take the shoes of Justin Verlander and be that. No, they do have a top 10 pitching prospect in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. Uh, He pitched a little bit last year in the major leagues. That being said, what they're asking that guy to do is be our young fifth starter. Give us an ERA that we can live with. Four, three, four, five. We can win a lot of games if you put up a low four ERA with this Houston Astros uh, team because they actually got better offensively in the offseason. After winning the World Series, they got better offensively. Yeah, and I, listen. Because Jose Abreu, if you forget, from the White Sox, is now their first baseman. <laughs> they are better offensively than they were last year. They are worse in their rotation. But remember, last year going into the playoffs, they had seven starting pitchers. You can only use four. So they lost Verlander. It hurts their team. But they have six major league starting pitchers. Well, and then on top of that, I think if you have uh, Jordan Alvarez in your lineup, you're competitive. Like yeah. that's that. Like it's, you were talking about Altuve earlier this morning, how good he is, and despite all the other things, but Alvarez is one of those guys that just he's a yeah. terrifying hitter. He's a Soto type guy that you're like he's he can do all the things, and they can match your rotation as good as the Rangers' rotation is, and it's good. So here's their most likely starting five to start the year. Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, and Lance McCullers Jr. 
with a top 10 prospect in all of baseball waiting who can pitch in the major league. So wow. they do have something that can compete. And the, here's the great thing. The Rangers can compete with that rotation. It is a battle of rotations. And obviously Seattle has a great rotation too. There are three staffs here that are great starting fives. Houston, Texas, and Seattle, and it's very tough to separate the rotation. When it comes to Seattle, like, are you with the Angels, or are you just like, I'm not concerned about them? I'm not. Okay. I think they're a 500 team. And they have more other – now they have ownership chaos that they're going to have to deal with. He's keeping with. the it's, team. Uh, Otani's going to be a free agent. He's not signing back with the Angels. Now, he might. Like, if they offer him 10 years, $500 million, that would be tough to turn down today. If yeah. he gets to if he gets to spring training and they say, look, we want to make you an angel for life, and we know you want to win, but how about this? How about 10 years and $500 million? Will that make you stay here and we're going to try our best to build around you and I'm keeping the team? Maybe it will be. But I do think this is Otani's last year uh, with the – or sorry, with the – Oakland Athletics. With the, <laughs> with the Angels, he might still stay in your division – because I could see the Mariners offering him $500 million. From the seven- I, I could see the Rangers, by the way, in the offseason. If Otani makes it to free agency, yes. I do think the Rangers are going to be willing to offer Otani $500 million. I am restraining every uh, fabric of my being right now so that I can wait for the excitement when that happens later, Mike. Okay, I just want to let you know. I am excited because I've heard this for a right. minute now. I've, we've been kind of discussing it. Do you want to hit the Mariners real quick with well, Julio Rodriguez? Julio Rodriguez, uh, his numbers, according to baseball reference, do not look good for next year for what he did. I think baseball reference has him undervalued tremendously really? for what he's going to do. I do think he's a guy who can hit 40 home runs. That's probably a little bit high. Uh, Seattle's not the easiest place to hit. They made it better. They moved in the fences years ago. So Seattle – Used to be really tough to hit at. Now, I would say it's not a pitcher's park, but also not a hitter's park either. I think they're very good. I think they got a great chance to win 90-plus games. Um, But the Rangers can compete with the Mariners. They can compete with the Astros. I I will not predict them to have a better record, and I'm just going to get to this right now. This is their best guess on MLB.com's record. Astros 162. I think they're going to be right around 100 wins. The Mariners 91 and 71. I do think they're going to be right around that. This is where I disagree. The Angels 85 and 77. I think you can flip that record. Their pitching sucks. They're they're not good at pitching. They're not good at bullpen. They're not going to be able to hold on to what they need to hold on to. And then they're going to have the whole, to me, right around trade deadline, the whole Otani thing around them because they're going to have to trade them or they're going to lose them for nothing. And then they have the Rangers, which I disagree with this, and I'll let you comment now. 78 and 84 is MLB.com's prediction for the Texas Rangers. Well, I said 81 last year. I believe I had them at 500 last year, and they didn't quite get there. But I think that with the additions they made, they should be able to be 500 and plus in this coming season, Mike. Yeah, I, I would say opposite. Right now, I'm going to lean towards 84 and 78 is what I'm going to predict the Rangers to be this year. Anything under 500 to me will be a disappointment. All right. And I, for a lot of people that are like, you know, hey, you want more baseball conversation tonight, right here at the station, the fan is hosting Rangers Hot Stove Show. It's going to be from 7 to 8. Their performance showroom downstairs. If you've ever been there, it's awesome. It holds about you know 300 people, something like that. You will have Jared Sandler with the get right doing their thing. And you're going to have Taylor Hearn and Brock Burke 
right there having a conversation with you. You can ask questions. It's free. You just come up here. It's free. You get to see some Rangers pitchers, hang out with them, and it's tonight. So make sure uh, you just come up to the station, 4131 North Central Expressway, and hang out with the fan and hang out with the Rangers. And also, don't forget Fan Bowl's coming up February 4th at Revolver Brewing at Texas Live. So we got that going on, too. Can't wait to get after it with y'all. But, Mike, it's time for you. And Mike likes it. All right. So there's even, uh, we have a little promotion that says, I like Mike doesn't like it. Yes. My, it's, Mike doesn't always like it, but it's always This on is the my table. segment called Mike Likes It based off of Life Serial. If you've never seen the commercials of Mikey Likes It. Yeah, Mike Mikey, likes. He'll eat anything. Overall, Mike, me, likes the Dallas Mavericks. But let's have this discussion. I don't like the Dallas Mavericks right now. They are frustrating the living heck out of me. And they play tonight, the late game in Phoenix. I hate that it's on national TV. Are you going to be able to, like, be, get any sleep, Mike? I don't know if I'm going to watch it. What? I am that frustrated with the Mavs. I already know what I'm going to watch. Here's the deal, guys. Luka's going to have close to 40 points or more. He's going to have close to a triple-double, if not a triple-double. And Tim Hardaway Gallo is going to either shoot 10 of 15 from the field for 24 points, or he's going to shoot 2 of 15 from the field for 3 points. And I guess he can't have 3 if he makes no. 2 baskets. Yeah. He'll have 5 points in that situation. There you, okay, all right. And right now, he's in the slump. He slumps more than he hits. And that is Joey Gallo. That's why I call Tim Hardaway Gallo, Tim Hardaway Gallo Jr. When he's hot. When he's hot, it's he, great. The problem the is best. he's only hot for about 30 out of 82 games. Yep. It's the other 50 games or so that you have to deal with a horrible basketball player who can't make a shot to save his life. And that's why I pray and hope that Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a Dallas Maverick three weeks from now. Uh, I already know that Reggie Bullock is going to give good effort, and so is Dwight Powell. But they're not NBA players that should play over 20 minutes a game. But they do on this team. Okay. Josh Green is intriguing to watch. This is probably why I'm going to still watch. First, because I am a Mavs fan. Second, because Josh Green has come back from injury and is really intriguing me in what he at can be. At the same level he was at before injury for you? Maybe or just, a little better. Okay, all right. I mean, he's he's really come back and been pretty darn had good. Some, had a chance to kind of think about what he wanted yeah. to do when he got back out there. Uh, I know they're going to get killed on the rebounds. It doesn't matter if they played five small people. Uh, and, you know, you can't say words that, you know, we used to say. So, I mean, you could probably put four guys out there that are Spud Webb against the Dallas Mavericks, okay. and they're still going to get rebounds against the Dallas Mavericks because they're a horrible rebounding team. The Mavericks are going to walk the ball up the court and make me fall asleep because they are the slowest basketball team, I feel like, in the history of the NBA since, like, the 90s with Mike Fertello coaching the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is boring A basketball. Josh Green makes it somewhat exciting. He pushes the ball, but I don't this like... This is not Steve Nash's team. I don't like watching walk-up-the-court basketball. Uh. I love watching Luka, but I don't like that about his game. I don't like that he walks the ball up the court and that he pounds the ball. And he does eventually make a really good move. He eventually makes usually a pretty good decision, and sometimes like, wow, that was awesome. But at the same time, walking the ball up the court is boring basketball to me. That's why I hate college basketball, because college basketball has a 30-second shot clock, and most of the kids have to look at the coach, and the coach calls the play from the sideline, and then they run the play. It's call, that's why. I why can't doesn't watch. he have transition offense in his game, Luca? Yeah, I don't know. 
but he does, from what I understand, love touching the basketball. Also, he doesn't run. Like talking to uh, a buddy in the NBA of mine says, Luca might be able to play 20 years, even though I'm like, I don't think he's going to stay in shape to play 20 years. Like at 35 yeah. or so, I think he's just going to be too heavy to play. He's like, well, he doesn't run now. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's going to like all of a sudden he his loses <laughs> his his up and down game. Like he literally jogs up and down the court for 40 minutes. So it's not like he's playing like at a young man's pace. He's playing at a super slow pace already. Yeah. Um. So I'm just Corey. I'm just really frustrated with what what uh, what I'm watching. I don't see how it gets better. Christian Wood is out, but from what we understand, the Mavs aren't fans of Christian Wood. So Christian Wood is not long for the Dallas Mavericks. I would be shocked if Christian Wood is a Dallas Maverick next year. Okay. So then it gets to be, well, I do like Christian Wood, but I guess he doesn't fit in this organization. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter as you as a fan of the Mavericks, if you've liked what Christian Wood has done, they don't. So I don't know what to do about that. It's kind of like one of these things where you're watching a guy and you know he's gone. You, you know he's not going to be on the team in the future. So you're kind of like, crap, how much do I invest? I, I can't buy a Christian Wood T-shirt or jersey because right. I'm 80% I'm sure Christian Wood will not be a Dallas Maverick next year. Not that I want that, but I think the Mavericks want that. Now, well, okay, Mike, I, and I've asked you about this a couple times, is it – because he doesn't fit with Luca, uh, yep. and is that like the now do we got to figure out how do we how do we build the rest of the team so that Luca can also get his shine? Because I do think he loves being triple double machine. I yes. think he loves it. Yeah. Uh, but also like you know he's wearing the Michael Jordan shirt of Michael Jordan lifting weights in the off season. If he wants what came along with that, then there does have to be some concession to I got to play team ball too. And he as great as he is is setting up all his teammates. If they're not hitting shots, then yeah. they're all screwed. So how do they get involved in the game for the first three quarters? Yeah. And then at least let Luca to say, okay, now I can use everything I got in the fourth. I, I think that's a great comment there because it'll lead me into this point is Jason Kidd. Is we could only comment on it for 30 seconds, but Derek yesterday mentioned, hey, how come late in that Washington game they needed a defensive stop? And they put in Dorian Finney-Smith because he's not been a good offensive player this year at all. He's actually regressed. So giving him the $14 million, he progressed. Now this year, he's back to before he got that contract. I wish he would get to like what we saw second half Dorian Finney-Smith. Is They brought in Dorian Finney-Smith, and they took out Dinwiddie, who yeah. had been making shots, who I believe Dinwiddie's a better defensive player than Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a horrible defensive player. He's not worse than Bertans. But he's bad. Mm -hmm. And they left him in. And Derek's like, why are they doing that? He texts me. And I was like, I don't get it either. But I think we're seeing Jason Kidd with out-of-bounds plays, late-game management, substitutions, developing players. I think we're starting to see the Jason Kidd of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I don't think anybody was really that excited about Jason Kidd becoming the head coach. Everybody was like, hey, I hope it works out. But he has not been a successful coach. He's actually been a below average coach in the NBA so far when he's been a head coach last year was unbelievable from Jason Kidd I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt but as this season progresses I'm getting confused on Jason Kidd and what he's trying to accomplish I know he's trying to win games but what what are we trying to do we're not trying to outlet the ball we're not trying to go fast we're not trying to really help Luca we're not trying to involve anybody else it's just if Luca gets his 40 and a triple-double, you just watch the game and go, hey, I guess Luca got 40 and a triple-double. Yeah, game's that's, over. We're 500. 
that is that great coaching or is that just know. letting your star be your star? And and that's where like man, what is what is Jason Kidd's? What does he want this team yeah. to look like? What is he? How does he want to mold them? Because last year. If they weren't hitting three pointers, which is the same thing this year, yeah. then they they didn't have the game to they didn't even have the game to match up with Golden State whenever they yeah. said, Okay, we have to have that extra element. I do think Kenny the Jet Smith watches basketball by far the most out of Shaq and Charles Barkley. Okay. Okay, so I think Kenny the Jet Smith usually gives a pretty good evaluation of teams. And the last time he said they were on TNT he said you know, when you go watch summer league basketball and all these NBA players are playing pickup basketball in gyms and everything you know when they're all at their best, like even role players in the NBA, is when they get in transition. Mm -hmm. In summer league basketball, rebound, outlet, kind of play quick three-on-three, shoot the ball within five seconds of getting the ball over half court, whether you get layups or wide open Was it Denver that didn't like to let the clock go past 14 seconds? I can't remember, but obviously there was the D'Antoni. All Mike D'Antoni systems were kind of five seconds or less type of systems. And he said, do you know what's really tough? on most NBA basketball players playing half-court basketball. And that's where you separate the stars from the role players. It's kind of limit their athleticism, too. Right. Stars can play. When there's 10 guys in that small amount of space, stars can still do their thing. Luka can still do his thing. Unfortunately, we don't have any other player on the team that's close to a star. We have 14 role players, and we have one star. And so when you play this slow, as Kenny the Jet Smith was saying, don't take me, Take this is Kenny the Jet Smith saying, now you really limit what these guys can and can't do because they are not talented enough to play half-court basketball the whole game. And until they start outletting the ball and running a little bit more, you really limit all of your other players on the team. And so, anyways, I thought that was a good point, and it's really boring to watch the Mavs. So I'm just, tonight, when they play Phoenix, it's six versus seven in the West. Now, everything's jumbled up. But same record, and they're are they one and yeah, one against each same, other? Yeah, same record, both twenty five and twenty four. If the Mavs were to lose tonight, which I'm going to bet they do, and if they lose to Utah over the weekend, who uh, they're twenty five and twenty six, which I bet they do. I hope they don't. They they got a chance to win. Luca has to put up a fifty point triple double to win nowadays. But if they win one of those games, this won't happen. If they lose both of those games, there's a good chance when you look at the standings on Monday, they will be out of even the play-in situation. They could be in 11th place. Now, they could easily go on a three-game winning streak and be in fourth place. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how jumbled up it is. But I wanted to talk about this for one more minute, and then we will get to the C block. The top five MVP candidates, Jason Tatum's team is 35-14. and 14. In any order you want to put them. Joel Embiid is 31-16. and 16. Giannis is 31-17. and 17. Jokic is 34 and 15, and Luka is 25 and 24. Every team is 15 games or better above 500. I guess 14 games for Giannis. Except the, the Mavericks Mavs. are one game over 500. That should tell you how pathetic of a job I blame Mark Cuban because he's been here for it all. From the day you got Luka till today, Mark Cuban has done such a horrible job with this franchise that the Mavericks are one game over with a guy playing at an MVP level. All the other guys playing at an MVP level are headed towards a 55-60 to win season. Mark Cuban running a franchise is headed to 42-40 and right now. With the best player in the NBA who might not get an MVP because of it, and that would infuriate Luka at the same time. Or maybe even motivate him to be greater. 
just somewhere else. All right, coming up next here on the KNC Masterpiece, it's time for the C Block. You know what? I do want to get into this Demarcus Lawrence question, and is it mock draft time, or do we need to wait for Kevin so we can uh, infuriate him with mock drafts? Next on The Fan.